In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast pal is the one and the only... White Travis Rats. White Travis Rats? Yeah, I feel like... At, we're doing, oh, we're doing Black, Black Hammer. Black Hammer, Black Panther, White Travis Rats. I thought that was a new thing we have to like... I don't... Denote our uh, ethnic... How about this one? Hit me again. <laughs> my podcast partner in crime, the one and the only... Caucasian Travis Rats. I think your voice alone gives away how Caucasian you are. Caucasian Travis Rats. <laughs> Caucasian Travis Rats. <laughs> I think an Italian is still Caucasian. Okay, that's my Jamaican. Bumbaclot. So on the Comic Exposure podcast that you just tuned into, we talk race. <laughs> don't at all. Talk. We talk politics. Nope, we don't do that either. Uh, we talk comic books because this. Is where we get our levity in a world gone mad. We turn to the funny pages to make us feel better and escape life. You're supposed to talk over it. <laughs> so, so on today's program, we are doing a comic book club. And uh, if you've been paying attention, we've been out of the game. And so this comic book club is going to be just Travis and I. Mm-hmm. No guest. Mm-hmm. We're going to get close, intimate with the book that we read, and we're going to talk about it. And we read Black Hammer uh, by Jeff Lemire. Uh, Dean Ormston uh, does the art on it, and Dave Stewart does the beautiful colors on it. Uh, And Black Hammer is a uh, book on Dark Horse Comics. Uh, and we talked a little bit about it on, I think, did we talk about it on the last podcast, or did I just talk to you about it after? I think you, we were talking about, we were catching up on some of the stuff that we yeah. read, and you had talked about uh, how you read that. Before we get into Black Hammer, yeah. can we, since, you know, we're, yeah. we're talking about this, uh, speaking of which, um, you know, uh, you know, there's a, you know, the, the title Black Hammer, as we'll get into, is after, like, a black superhero in here. Yeah. But, speaking of black superheroes, I've been watching the new series, the Luke Cage series, now, if you remember correctly, I never finished the last one. I think yeah. I got to episode six. But I was like, you know what? Not a lot going on in the summertime, summer break. I'm sitting there. After between my three o'clock and four o'clock naps, I need things to do. <laughs> um, and so I started watching the series. It's really good. I'm on episode like six so it far. It is very good. I really like it. I love the villain in this. It's good. I will tell you. I will tell you. Bushmaster. Um, they did a really good job of a second season. I was, I didn't love the second season of uh, Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones. Didn't, I, I didn't watch it. I hated Iron Fist. Um, I didn't really didn't like love Defenders. Defenders. It started. There were like two episodes of the Defenders that were good. Right. Punishers um, are like really the only good one they come out with in the last two years. Right. I feel like. And so I was a little worried, but I, I, you know, I'm probably three episodes in. I watched. I watched the first three episodes last night, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm in. Yeah. Uh, music's still good. Yep. Um, but I think they do it in a better way. I do think you, they found their... They. I think they. this is the thing that, that is the right thing to do. They took what worked with the first season, and you know what they did? They used it. <laughs> <laughs> but they got rid of all the other stuff. Like, like oh, the fact that we have two seasons, one, and we're going to completely... Ch- well, I don't yeah. know. I'm not, I'm not done yet. Right. But uh, I do, speaking of the music, I really do like 
how it's that uh, rude boy kind of music, yeah. you know, because that's kind of our villain comes from that yeah. culture. Yeah. And I love how they're bringing that culture into it uh, with the rude boys. It reminds me of my, my skank and pickle days. <laughs> hey, Josh, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Were you ever a rude boy? I was always a rude boy. You are always a rude boy. I, you know, I, I, before punk, I found ska. So Ooh. before I really got into punk stuff, I, I listened to Lesson Jake, Bucko Nine. Bucko Nine. Bucko yep. Nine. That was good. That was good. Pass the on the left hand side. Mocha bump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or what's that? It was like, uh, calling in sick. I'm calling in sick. I don't know. This mic and I'm calling in sick. I don't think I know. Well, it got broke, got hit with a brick. This <laughs> mic and I'm calling in sick. That's not something I would like, though. And speaking of yeah. music and black superheroes, yeah. I have a little quiz for you, Josh. I came up I came up with this quiz today. <laughs> this is what happens when we do this show when we're both not, when we're not working. <laughs> we have fun so. segments, like quizzes. You can sit down for I'm not, 20 I'm minutes and make a quiz. I'm bad on all of okay. it. Sorry, hit me with so, um... What I did is I'm going to give you a choice between two things. Okay. One of them is going to be the name of a black superhero. Yeah. And one of them is going to be the name of a musician or group. And you have to tell me which one is the black superhero. Okay? Okay. Now, these are all ethnically yeah. black superheroes and also black in their name. Okay. <clears throat> black Dwarf or Black Vulcan. Black which Black Vulcan is a superhero. It was from Super Friends. Black Dwarf has got to be a metal band. I don't know what the... Uh, I, I, I put Super Friends down there because I was trying to like... I'm like you, I, I, very good. Yeah. I'm surprised you knew that. And here's what you need to know. Black Vulcan was never a character in the comic books. He was made purely for Super Friends. Ew, you're a nerd. <laughs> All right, hit me. Ooh, Black Nerd's a good name for a rapper. It is. It's not just Pharrell, though. Yeah, I think so. All right, here we go. Black Samson, Black Bear. Black Samson, Black Bear. Which is the superhero? I, I think I think Black Samson is a superhero. You think? Or is that the answer you're going with? That's my final answer. That is correct. He's a Kirkman superhero. I'm not sure what from. I know he's from a Kirkman Black book. Black Samson. Uh, oh, it must be in, uh, Invincible? Maybe. That yeah. would be, I think that's his only superhero book. Okay. Okay. Black Talon or Black Breath? Black Talon... Or Black Breath? Are all of them superhero first? Because that's how it seemed the first two. No, wait. Black Dwarf, you said first. Um, Black. Don't try to crack the game. Black Talon. Black Talon is the superhero. You're saying Black Talon's superhero? Black Talon is a superhero. Not Black Breath? Not Black Breath. What makes you say that? Black Breath is a really bad name for a superhero. I mean, there there are like absurd comic books, you know, like God hates astronauts. Right, right. It just seems too. It like what is Black Breath? And so you're correct, sir. Black yes! Town is a superhero. I win again. All right. Okay. Next, there's two more. Two more. All right. Lay them on me. Black Light or Black and Blue. And that's Black, the letter N, Blue, or Black Light. Yeah. Is it L I T E or L I G H T? L I G H T. I'm going to say Black Light is the superhero. That is correct, sir. Man. You are four for four I right am, now. I am so good at this game. That's from a book called A Next. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay, and last one. Okay. Black Briar or Black Rapier? Black Briar or Black Rapier? rapier. Like a black sword? I... To be clear, not Black Raper. <laughs> rapier. 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 Like the sword. Uh, I think Black Briar is the superhero. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, 
failed on the, the last superheroes. one. Superheroes, Black Rapier from Astro City. See, I didn't read. I didn't read Astro City. And that has been Black Superhero <laughs> or Band. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like that. We should we should include a segment like that on all oh, future. That sounds like a lot of work. All future podcasts. Well, I'll do the next one. See, we'll just trade on and off. <laughs> Uh, so, we're reading Black Hammer. We read Black Hammer, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Dean Ornston, colors by Dave Stewart, out on Dark Horse Comic Books. Travis, since you just read it, Fresh. Can, can you give me your synopsis? Oh. Oh. Okay, good. Uh, well, synopsis is not, because I, I, I don't, okay. Yeah, because I, 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 I read, I just finished volume two, and so I don't want to get into volume yes, two. Yes, we should make that clear. Um, you have read, how many volumes of this are there out, Josh? Uh, two of them are out, and I think the third one is on its way. Okay, so Josh has read both of them. Yeah. Uh, I've only read one. We're only going to talk about one, but at the end we might, uh, I'm not getting any spoilers for number two, but uh, uh, Josh can kind of maybe throw a couple of things out yeah. there uh, in anticipation for volume two, if you haven't read it. If you have, too bad. Um, so the synopsis of Black Hammer. That's a tough one. All right, so uh, we open up. Superheroes are on this farm. Looks like an average farm, but it's not an average farm because we find it's populated by superheroes. And all these superheroes are a bit antiquated in their uh, formula. They, uh, Lemire seems to have taken the, uh, the, the superhero formula as Alan Moore did much in The Watchmen, uh, where he's taking kind of these classic superheroes and making them his own. So you have heroes like, and you can help me out here... Abraham, Golden Gal. Yeah, Golden Gale. Abraham Slam. Uh, the What's the Martian dude? Um, Barbarian. Barbarian. So we should say that each of these are sort of like an a, a the stand-in for an actual And we'll go hero. into who yeah. like their stand-ins for yeah. in a second. Uh, Madam Butterfly. Madam uh, Dragonfly. Dragonfly. Uh, and Colonel, Captain Colonel Weird. Colonel Weird. Yeah. yeah. So those are some of the main characters in here. And they all populate this farm. And right off the bat, you find out that there's this mystery. How, why are these superheroes in this farm? And more importantly, why can't they leave? They cannot leave the town the, uh, that the farm is in. So there's a small town America, uh, and they cannot leave it. Uh, as the story progresses, uh, we get flashbacks into each of the characters' past lives and the world they were living in uh, and what they were like as superheroes. And then we flash forward to uh, what is present day in the current farm they are at. And honestly, that is that is pretty much the first book, is just setting that exposition and giving you little uh, breadcrumbs as to why possibly they would be on this farm and why can't they leave right each of them is dealing with their own separate conflict uh and uh there is kind of mystery in everyone's story so my question for you josh yeah is what the hell is happening in this story <laughs> so i would tell you this is like a this is a prime first volume setup mm -hmm. and and because there are so many characters lemire gets to take essentially a book a piece and just talk to you about each character and then get back to the main story and tell you about a character, get back to the main story. And so that's really what this is about, this first volume and kind of what we get. Like you said, something sent them to this farm. They fought some evil. And then when they went to kill it, they all get transported to this place. Um, Black Hammer, the titular character, yeah. is nowhere to be seen because... Only in the flashbacks. Only in the flashbacks. Because apparently his sacrifice was the reason that they were saved, but also possibly maybe the reason why they are on this farm. Yeah, they're stuck They're stuck in this farm. And we should mention also, too, that the Black Hammer, the titular 
Black Hammer's daughter is uh, trying, is still trying to find her father. Right. So and that comes into play at the end of this. The superheroes are trying to find their way off the farm, or at least uh, the robot is. Oh, we forgot the robot. Uh, walkie, talkie, walkie. Oh, talkie, walkie. Yeah. Yeah. So talkie, walkie. The robot is trying to find a way off the farm. Uh, they keep sending out satellites. Uh, at the same time, people back home are trying to find them and find out where they went. Right. That's the story. Yeah. That that's it. It's really about how are they dealing with being in small town America. Right, right. And yeah. being superheroes but not being able to be super. So let's I think we should start off by talking about like the framework for what it seems like Lemire is laying this out for. Now we're both Lemire fans. Right. right? Uh, I probably put him in my top ten of creative comic book writers working today. Right. Uh, I like his writing typically more than I like his art, but I do like his art as well. Uh on things like Sweet Tooth and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but I know you're, you're probably a little bigger fan than I, but we're both big fans of Lemire. Um, uh, I think let's talk about, uh, in the back of this, the trade, volume yeah. number one, Lemire actually kind of goes into the story behind Black Hammer a little bit. Yeah. There's an essay there in which he goes into kind of like how long. He'd been working long, on it forever. Yeah, he'd been working on it forever, and then other projects got in the way. Uh, so it's kind of like a passion of love and ideas had for a long time. Um and uh, so, as we said, this this is kind of Watchmen-esque in its setup. Right. In its premise of, as a comic book writer, I'm going to create these... I, we're, I guess we're trying to still stumble on the right word. It's not amalgamation, but no, it's like... No, I, um, I can't think of... That. Analogies, uh, or whatever it is, to... Uh, modern day superheroes, right? right. Yeah. Um, so, for example, uh, I keep forgetting, keep forgetting his name. The uh, Abraham uh, Slam. No, the no? Martian one. Oh, uh, Barbalian. Barbalian is uh, is Martian Manhunter. Ma Martian Manhunter, yeah. right? Uh, like Golden Gale is Shazam. Shazam. Or Captain yeah, Marvel. Exactly. Yeah, Captain yeah. Marvel. Yeah. Uh, Colonel Weird is like um, what's the like Space Cop? Is he like Green Lantern? No, not Green Lantern. Um. Oh, like shoot. even older than that. Even yeah. like like not Flash Gordon. Um, not Flash Gordon, but another. I can't remember who he's who he's who he's tied to. But they're all tied to these sort of like nineteen forties golden. Yeah, yeah these yeah. sort of golden area era comic book characters. Um, Abraham Slam is kind of almost Captain America like. Right. Um. So he's kind of pulling from both places. The giant monster they're fighting is essentially uh, Galactus. Not Galactus. It's uh, it's uh uh. Dark side. Dark side. So it's essentially dark side. I thought it looked more like Galactus to me. Yeah, but like it talks about like the anti-life equation. Oh, okay, and, okay. Uh, yeah. but they He's don't, a new god. He's a new yeah, god. He, yeah, like essentially new gods, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so what? what so, uh, what was your take on this, Josh? Uh, the idea that we we've seen this kind of uh, presentation before. Yeah. Right. I think I think you can see. So, um, you've got we've got sort of the Watchmen gritty real portrayal of superheroes. Mm -hmm. Then you've got sort of like Astro city, which kind of looks mm -hmm. at, at what, you know, that idea of that. That's and, a good one too. It's yeah. A good, another one. And then you've got this. And I, I think each of them are trying to sort of dissect what it means to be a superhero right. and look at it in a different way. And I think what Lemire's doing is he's like, I think he's like, it seems like he's telling where Alan Moore is like deconstructing superheroes, I think that Jeff Lemire is telling like a love story about the human side 
of superheroes. Yeah, I agree. That's really, that's really well put. I think almost like Alan Moore is trying to has a message about the audience's relationship with superheroes, yeah. right? Lemire doesn't seem to be so concerned about what's changing our perspective of superheroes, but more using this scenario as a way to interact these characters. It's more about the interaction of the characters with each other right. than I don't feel as in on these like satire. It's not because not, I don't call it satire. It's no. not really using humor. But I don't feel in on uh, on what's happening as much as like I feel like uh, Alan Moore is winking more at me than than Jeff Lemire. Is. Well, I think Alan Moore is trying to like he's telling a story that has political implications and, yes. it's, and it, it's tied to a time period, right? That it's saying a lot about the 1980s, the 80s, yeah. right? You're right. Um, and I think Jeff Lemire, I think. The difference is Jeff Lemire is winking for like, hey, you see what I just did there? Can you guess what superhero that is? Yeah, yeah. You seeing what I'm doing? Yeah, 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 to? yeah. Which is you have to kind of do yeah. That. So yeah. he's doing this sort of. That's why I, th I think it's like this sort of love story. Like he can't write these comic books. The right. DC didn't give him Justice League to go run around and have fun with. Nor is it the era right that which dialogue comes from. Right, and they they also wouldn't give him that and just say like, oh, just go have like just have a story where they're. They're stuck somewhere, but I will tell you. Make Martian Manhunter gay, uh, right? But but Actually, I think DC would allow that. These did, yeah, no, I and I think I think the I think the thing that they wouldn't allow him to do Martian Manhunter. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what I don't think they would allow him to do is I don't think they'd let him tell this long of a story without them being superheroes. Right. I think like this reminds me. You could do this in like three issues of a Justice League comic book because you wouldn't have to set up who all of these people are. Right. But like this like story... Like they get zapped in a different yeah, place. They get yeah, they zapped yeah. into to a, a different place. Yeah, farm even. Right. And yeah. it's a very much... It feels like an old comic book concept. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, something weird happened and we're stuck on this farm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like how do we Something's get back? Something's happened on the farm. Right. Like how do we get back? Um, but what Lemire gets to do is he gets to spend time diving into each of these characters along the way. So something that you could do and essentially like two episodes of a cartoon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, he gets to spend all of these issues sort of building these characters because all, although they are sort of stand-ins for other characters, he still gets to kind of tell you about them. And that's half the fun of like the winking and nodding about each one, yeah. you know, as he, as he tells you about each of them and, and kind of, how they're like their counterparts in the real DC universe or the Marvel universe. Here's the thing that I found that I had a hard time cracking yeah. into. I liked all the the nods to these superhero characters, and I actually liked all the characters. I love Lemire's dialogue. I think he writes dialogue really well. The interactions are really fun, yeah. I, I, and I find that like uh, I, I'm invested in each of the characters' story. I guess where I had a hard time getting into it and cracking it yeah. was this whole mystery of the farm. Like, I thought that would unravel a little bit more within the first volume. Now, I'm probably just, uh, you know, if we get into sec second volume, maybe that comes a little bit more. Uh, but the idea, or maybe it's not, but there's, I mean, the fact that it's a farm, like, like there's, is, Je Lemire is, I feel like, deep enough that the farm is representative of something. It could have been any place. They could have been stuck in an old amusement park. They could have been stuck in right. whatever it is. I know he likes small towns, and he mentions he that in the There's essay. There's a ton like of Essex small towns. Essex County, right. Roughneck that I just read. Um, 
those are he's very sort of his stories sit in small towns underwater welders you know, yeah all of these what does that of, allow him to do like what what is what is that facilitating in his story that where he's like you know what I want to take this small town America but I want to put these large than life superheroes in there I was, I was the whole time I was trying to figure out there I'm like why is why does it need to take place in a small town it's harder to hide but somehow they've been hiding this long you know what I mean so I, I think like part of it is it's what he knows. I feel like, I mean, I know that he grew up in Canada, so my assumption is all of this writing he does about small town stuff, like he grew up in a small mm. town, like I grew up in a small town. And so for me, I go like, oh, that's a setting he's comfortable writing with. Mm. And then it gives you something that if they were in a city, it'd be super easy to hide in a city. Right. It'd be super easy to get by with that little girl not going to school. Right. It would, yeah, yeah, like yeah. A Golden Gale, who's actually like a 50-year-old woman stuck yeah. in like a One of my favorite nine-year-old's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a foul-mouthed nine-year-old's yeah. body, right? Or not, she's probably 12 or something. I don't remember how old she is. But um, I think you're forced, they're forced to interact with their environment in a way that if they were in a city, they wouldn't have to interact. I think that, yeah, I, I agree with that. That's definitely, that allows you to tell that story better. Like, it forces them closer to each other. Right. I also think, you know, and I was thinking about this as you were talking as well, is the idea you're talking about you were from a small town. Yeah. And, you know, Lemire obviously has a love, I don't know, love-hate, maybe just a love relationship with small towns. Uh, but the idea of, you know, most of America are these small towns. Yeah, you know, there's a ton we, of small towns we, in You know, that's that's where the essence of that, um, that yeah, American, Americana. Yeah, exactly, comes from. And I think in the small, I think I like this idea of, having these huge large and life superheroes in this small town because a running theme throughout this first volume is boredom. Yeah. Uh, all like most of these characters are bored. Actually, all the characters are bored. Some of them just like it more than others. Some yeah. of them are just like, uh, like, uh, Abraham slam is he's, he's doing a little Abraham slamming. Slamming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I guess, you know, like in small town America, it's almost like saying something about, you know, the idea that I think, you know, us city dwellers, we kind of poo-poo, like, you know, yeah. the, the the people in these towns as being uh, blue-collar and maybe not larger than life in their potential for right. things and stuff like that. But there's this idea, if you grow up in a small town, that, like, you know, like, you're like, one day I'm, I'm going to make it big, you know, yeah. and what's bigger than a superhero? And I like the reverse of taking people that are on top, you know, these, these yeah. superheroes, and then... It's the reverse. You know, usually you come out of a small town, but then we're right, going like to put back. Superman like, leaves yeah, a small town yeah. to go to Metropolis. Yeah. Like, what do you save in a small town? It's like that Paris Hilton's. Remember when they when they went on a road trip and they lived in a small town? And they the reversed sisters? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. reversed it. Black Hammer is the Paris Hilton's night two, early 2000s reality TV show of comics. What, she Boom. lived, she lived, wasn't it her and Richie? Nicole the Simple Richie? Life. The, the Simple, Simple Life. life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Black Hammer is a simple life of comics, <laughs> and you can quote me, Jeff Lemire. Put feel it on the free back to use of the that book. Of volume three. Take off Scott Snyder's Black Hammer is easily one of Lemire's best creations, and put, put Black Hammer is, is the, the simple, simple life of, of comics. Comic perfect, perfect. So let me ask you, Travis, which of the you, you kind of already said. So which character was your your favorite, and why? Well, I um, okay. Let me think about that. I. I like I like Golden Gal. I was gonna say Golden Gale. I, Golden Gale. I, I was gonna say um um Colonel Weird. Yeah. But 
shit got a little weird with him, like in like the like the, almost the last book. I, yeah. Where I just could not follow. I could not follow his dimension hopping, and it, it frustrated me. <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't understand this. And I felt stupid, Josh. I felt like a real, I felt like a real moron. And I like, you know, um, Golden Gale, uh, the, the premise of being stuck in this, you know, this 50-year-old stuck in this 12-year-old's body, having a uh, crush on one of the other members of the team, uh, having to go to school, uh, going... Not being, being able to drink or smoke. I think it's and- it's it's fun. It's a fun look at. I often say that I think that uh, middle schoolers and the elderly are on the same wavelength. You know, like <laughs> like you get like a a crotchety, uh, you know, like seventy year old, and then you take a middle schooler, and they're basically on the same wavelength. Uh, yeah. You know, as far as like just being real emo and kind of crabby and everything with life, and so I like how she's like I'm. This old woman, but she's also in some ways still acting like an old woman, yeah. even though she's like, you know, so I really like, I, I like that wink at uh, that kind of trope there. Yeah. What um, about yours? You know what? I, reading volume one and volume two, uh, I do really like Colonel Weird. I think that it's like, a, it's, it's the one character that you can't get a handle on. Yeah. Because he... He knows what's going on, right? You feel like he knows what's going on, mm-hmm. but he just can't explain it to anybody because right. he's just too like, I don't know, he's like high on like dimension hopping or something like that, right? Um, but then he like all of a sudden he pulls it off where he pretends to be um, the father of yeah. Gale. Yeah, so he like comes in, he's all shaved and all this looks stuff. Good. And, he looks yeah. good, he looks polished. Yeah, um, so I thought that was really, I think, I think he's a character where I'm like, what the hell is going on with that guy? That's the one that you don't get a clear indication of very well. Um, and then I just loved that issue. I just loved his issue it was like, I was, there was some really cool trippy stuff in there. Was, oh, I love the art in there. Yeah. Right. It was a good issue. But I love his, I love his costume design. It's so good. Like I yeah. love old tiny fishbowl face, uh, space helmets. Right. I, you know, I do like him and I like kind of, I like him and like talkie walkie. I kind of like their, there's sort of banter back and forth, like their their weird sort of relationship sort of thing they've got going on. So I think that he's probably my favorite character. And then right under him would probably be Barbalian. Mm. Um, just because he seems to be having like, not only is he dealing with like being an alien in like having to be human, yeah. but then also like being an alien who's human in a small town. He's a minority of minority Who of happens minority. to be gay, right? Yeah. Like in this very small town setting. So I found that character kind of interesting too. I I, I kind of like the play on that. Like we're going to take it even one more level of difficulty for him to fit in. Yeah, he's you know? the most obvious like uh, political message character so far, I feel like. Yeah. Especially when you add in the religion. Right. And like, you know, uh, the church and then homosexuality. You're like, all right, let me pump the brakes. I get you. I get what you're saying. <laughs> I, I thought, I, thought it's no, a good, it's I think it's a good way to kind of like go um, – we're going to take this story of an alien being stuck in our world one more level deeper. One of the stories that I really liked was the Madam Dragonfly 
uh, and the whole cabin story with yeah. the child. And I love the swamp thing creation that I she do creates. Love that. That um, really cool design, the swamp thing. And I like the macabre of it all. I like yes. how like he's kept the corner of this world open to that macabre side. I like that, like, of, like creeper comics. Of that's what I say. Even that issue yeah, is yeah. very. It reads like a creeper comic. Yeah, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she talks to the audience. Yes. She breaks the fourth wall. That's probably my favorite issue in here. Is the uh, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, uh, the cabin of horrors yeah. yeah yeah i do love that and i do love that that's sort of like um she's telling you she's narrating it for you but no other no other comic book does no other issue does that mm -hmm. but she gets to narrate her own story for you um because it's she's telling you the audience but no one else is telling you the audience you which know, is kind of cool. Lemire said something in his essay in the back that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. You no, know, he, he said, like, it's it's very weird. I don't really find authors being this straightforward about it. Usually they they couch it. But he, he set forward saying that he wanted to write a superhero book with an indie sensibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and so let me ask you something uh, about that. Do you think... Because I mean, we, you know, as uh, aging punk rockers yeah. who've both been in garage bands, who are both probably really trying to be like non-posery and like pure, right? You yeah. know, like we play three chords, not four, not two, three. three. Yeah. All right. You could add a fourth chord in there, but goddamn better be a power chord. <laughs> it's only on the bridge. You can only do it in the bridge. And um, the idea of, you know, do you think, uh, do you think an artist can set out, if they set out to make something indie, is that indie? Uh, well, can, can you hit indie? I think the word indie is tough because it, it's remember like alternative rock when we yeah. were kids, like Goo Goo Dolls were alternative rock. Third Eye Blind. And so was, was Radiohead. Devo, and so was right? Devo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to like pin down what indie means. I think really it's the story he's telling, right? Yeah. He's not telling a modern comic book story. He's not telling a, he's not doing a regular comic book. And I think that there's a whole swath of this going on right now. I mean, we read Vision. Well, Image's whole line for like the last those the the start of our podcast was all like kind of like indie versions of mainstream stories, right? Right. I, but I think like the indie sensibility on superheroes is really coming into play mm. maybe in maybe in ways that and I think that that's I mean, he talks about that's why he chose um Ormstead is the Ormston is the uh, artist is because He's indie, and this book would be totally different if it were drawn by a house style artist, yeah. right? Um, so I, you know, like I said, we read uh, Vision. I think Vision is very much an indie storytelling using a a, a modern or a like a property, right? Yeah. Um, and I because I think you'd want to use so many characters in this to do his book. I don't think it would have happened at DC. All right, so here's the, let me ask you this then. Yeah. Uh, this is a good, kind of a fun approach to it. Yeah. Uh, all right, if you are trying to take like uh, a mainstream concept and make it indie, yeah. what are like a couple of things that you need to do? One of them you said you need an indie artist, right? Yeah. yeah you so you got you got to pull someone from uh, from like an online comic or right. you know something like that, right? Yeah. You don't, okay. You so can't, that's step you can't pick one. your house style. You can't pick the guys who are do, drawing Justice League okay. over at DC. All right. What's the second thing you do to take a mainstream concept and make it indie? It's So there's two approaches. You either go back and just rewrite Jack Kirby stuff, but do it in a with a modern touch. Yeah. Right? You go back and embrace the fucking comic bookiness of it. Yeah, yeah. 
and like just modernize it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Or you put them in a story that's that you wouldn't that would be just a indie comic book, but you're using superheroes. This indie so vision, yeah, is an indie story. It's a story about a family. It's American Beauty, but with superheroes, right? Um, right now, Tom King's doing the same thing with um, Mr. Miracle. It's a very indie story using a set big uh, superhero. He's doing the same thing. Some of the stuff he's doing with Batman is very relational, very conversational. Do you think the? Do you think one of the ways to kind of get that indie edge is to take a mainstream idea? And then mix it with an idea that's traditionally indie, like pulp. Like pulp yeah. storytelling has always been indie, like pulp fiction, right? Right. All right. So to tell um, uh, a Thor, sorry, it's like indie mashup. I got Thor, main, um, a Thor type story, but I'm going to mix it uh, with like pulp fiction. But it's going to be told pulp fiction is. Does that become indie? Do you have to take like something that's already been established as indie? Like if I did, uh, okay, um, uh, Hawkeye, uh, uh, Green Arrow, and what was a Green Lantern? You know, that road trip yeah. in the 60s? Yeah. Well, if I turn to Easy Rider, does that become indie now? And I put an indie artist on there? If, as I'm long, not saying it's a bad thing. No, I, I, th I think what you do is you're telling a, you're telling a traditionally non-superhero story with superheroes. So instead of them fighting to save the world mm -hmm. or the stakes are, you know, you take it and you, you tell a human story with, with superheroes. Yeah, right. And so Easy Rider is a human story. Uh, by the way, um, Green Lantern and Green Arrow as an Easy Rider yeah. story. Yeah. Uh, Lemire, <laughs> you hear? Make it happen. Make it happen. Um, but, you know, I think I think that all those things, and we could go back and we read, um, what the, Hawk, Hawkeye. That Hawkeye story. Fractions Hawkeye. Was very, it, it bordered on, it was very close to being maybe. Mainstream. The art kept it on, on like that, uh, more on the indie side, but just barely, I feel like. Right, right. So, it, but he told like Hawkeye's trying to save his building from being taken over by Russian mobsters. Right. But then he went and did some very the James Bond normal stuff. comic yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff that kind of took it away from it. But I think had that story been just Hawkeye trying to save his building from some Russian mobsters, and you didn't throw shield in it and you didn't throw missions to you know to to do all this extra stuff on it uh i think it would have been a lot more quote unquote indie yeah nice yeah i, I, I read that in the back and i, I was like oh that's a good conversation to have with josh yeah. the idea of you know setting out to make something indie you know like the, the idea it's 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 I, I and i and i praise him for like stating that yeah a lot of people are like no it's just what i do <laughs> like that's just like how my heart. But he's like, you know, I won. I wanted to make sure it still had that indie vibe. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's that's. I go, that's a tough bar to set. Is when you chase something that's indie. Like you know, right. like, It's like the idea. It's like buying jeans and then trying to make them look like they've been worn well, for a long time. So you, know? you. So let me ask you this question because you brought it up before we started the podcast, and this is my question for you, Jeff Lemire. You just read Bloodshot by Jeff yeah. Lemire, and this. Mm -hmm. Which one feels more indie? Oh, definitely this, for well, sure. So that's that's my point. Like, he can write a mainstream book. He wrote Green Arrow mm. uh, he, in the New 52, I think New 52 Green Arrow. 
So he wrote Green Arrow. Yeah, he did. Um, he did the first, at least the first couple. Right. And so, I don't know. I don't think he was the first run. I think he was maybe... I thought he was the Was he the first? I thought he was in the middle. But either oh, way, it doesn't matter. But my point is, like, he wanted to flex his... I'm not going to bow to creative control by right. DC or right. Marvel. I'm going to tell the story I want to tell. Yeah. I'm going to be able to do it without someone going, oh, nope, sorry, Secret War 4 came out. And so you've got to tie this book into Secret War 4. Because I think mm. that that's, that's what would happen. Because we um, – was it in Vision that there was something that tied into something? You had – at one point he goes in and talks to Iron Man. Like right. he, at some point Iron Man's like, I can't deal with this right now because I have to like do something else. Right? right. And so I think that that's the thing that kind of takes you out of those stories is when you have to like go, oh, there's a big thing going on. Right. Uh, Marvel says I have to tie it in. And then you, it pulls you out of this very sort of like – The arc you're in. The box that you've set this story up in. Right. You've, you've built your diorama of where the story is going to take place. And then corporate Marvel says, nope, I'm fucking throwing Iron Man in there. And, right. and you know, or, or DC's like, nope, Bane's got to come through this issue because he this month he's tearing through every comic book. Honestly, though, putting Bane in Batman comic book, I don't think it's ever a bad idea. No, but when he shows, <laughs> know, when know, he shows up, like, he's got to show up yeah. and you're writing your real indie take yeah, yeah, on yeah. Green Lantern or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Batman's playing a chess game for three issues. Yeah. And then Bane shows up and it was like, would you want a drink of some Venom, Batman? <laughs> uh, not, not even like, like, not even, so it's like you're telling your story and then something else from another story has to influence it. So, like, Doomsday comes into your Green Chester. Lantern story, <laughs> right? Like, someone who's not – you're not even tied yeah. to it. You're not even tied into this story that's going to revolve around that other character. But he has to affect your book right. because it's going to get people to buy it because they have to read every, every piece of the Bane story coming through. Well, when I look at, you know, Bloodshot and, and uh, Black Hammer by Lemire um, – I, you know, I will say this though. I think Bloodshot screams mainstream to me just because the the art style in it. That yeah. that that's yeah. a huge factor in it. Right. But when I look at the character of Bloodshot and what Lemire did with him, um, from what Bloodshot was in the '90s yeah. to what he did, it's quite an indie jump for yeah. sure. You know, it just it's. I mean, it's tough to do like. It would be very tough to go like that vision storyline, Tom King's vision storyline with Bloodshot. Right. But it's it's not that far off. I mean, it is it is much more family story. The Bloodshot revolves around him uh, trying to save his daughter. Uh, in the beginning, it's very domestic. He's married. He has a regular okay. life. Uh, and then something happens. Is he with pale his daughter. still, or does he? Turn He's in... human, and then he turns pale okay. when he gets when he gets angry. Those nanobot, those nanos get mm. get him all uh, antsy in his pantsies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then it becomes like a – it's almost like a Jean-Claude Van Damme like, okay. I got to go punch some turkeys in their face because they, right. they fuck with my daughter. Yeah. And I, and so you had mentioned this before. I think I think indie has to be more than just throwing it in a trope because like if you – look, Wolverine fighting fucking samurais and making him into like a Kurosawa film is rad storytelling, but I don't know if it makes it an indie book. Right, like, well, he has super indie artists on it. It might. <laughs> I was gonna say because I <laughs> wait like, a minute, like Wolverine fighting samurai, like in black and white pencil, like you know, like with just inks yeah. on it, um, with like uh, 
Eastman drawing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It might be more indie. And it really, and I would love to see that too. It really depends on, I think it's your, your characterization. It's your, it's the way dialogue is, right? Because yeah. you, you think like when you go and you watch movies that are quote unquote indie, the dialogue is different. Like if you were to do a Wes Anderson take on right. some superheroes, your dialogue would be different than it is in a normal. You know, I, I think it might be, uh, I think what we're kind of getting at, it's the author's style is allowed to come through more uh, yeah. than the the house style, than yeah. more like the, like, X-Men, like, every now and then, like, Grant Morrison came on, you definitely had a Grant Morrison voice to it, but in the most part, it's like the writers kind of fall in the pocket, right, of right. writing X-Men dialogue, and all their kind of individuality as a writer is a little bit washed out because this the characters and the brand is... It, it, so it's, loud, it's louder than the right. author's voice. And I think that in indie, the author's voice is allowed to be the loudest thing, more right. than the brand. And I think that's why you're, that's why Vision worked, because it's, like, it's right now, who knows? Well, and who knows Vision, right? Yeah. Like, he, he was in the, the, you know, he's in Avengers, but was he, is he, was he selling books? You know what I mean? No, was yeah, he a big yeah. character right now? Same thing with doing Mr. Miracle. The brand of Vision isn't that strong to begin with, right. so it's not overpowering. It, it'd be tough to do with Superman. Um, unless you did it in a Elseworlds tale, right? Um, but you know, I, you know, I really, I enjoy, there are two, and I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. There are two things I love about superhero stories. You either turn it to 11 mm. and make it the most sixties Jack Kirby Ditko thing you can and right. just own how ridiculous your genre, like how ridiculous your medium of superhero comics is. And just have fun with it. Yeah. And don't try to be serious. Don't try to like do something. Or you tell a real human story with superheroes. Right. And, I, and those are the two things I really like. And I think that's why I like this. Because it's telling you a human story. But it's also leaning real heavy on the comic bookiness of it all. Right. As opposed to like something like um, uh, Black Widow. Remember we had Black right. Widow? We both yeah. like Black Widow. Uh, that was, I like superheroes. I'm at a third thing that I like about superheroes. Yeah. Ones that go very heavy genre. Okay. I pick a yeah. different genre. Like yeah. that was like, it's a Black Widow, big superhero, but we're going to make a r real espionage genre. Right. Like, it, it's just total like femme fatale. Yeah. Right. Um, there, we've read a couple like that where the, we've taken a mainstream brand character and we just, uh, crank up the, uh, we pick a genre and we're like, we're going to tell a Wolverine story, but it's going to be a, a Western. Yeah. Well, like, Lo like Logan is a fantastic Wolverine movie. Yeah. Because it leans so heavily on a like Western Shane. genre. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's super, it's super genre. -y. And I think that that's what Marvel has done well. And I know we're veering off black hammer right now, but I think Marvel movies have like, that's why civil, not civil war. That's why, Winter Soldier is so good because it, it leans heavy on genre. Yep. Um, and I think you can tell a fun story when you do that. Yeah. Um, so let's get into let's, yeah, the art. A little huh? bit of art. What did, okay. So I will say this. Um, he has some very Lemire-esque things, but not quite. I'm a little more polished than Lemire is with the stuff Lemire draws. Ooh. Was it uh, who's the God hates astronauts? Ryan Ryan Brown. Ryan Brown. It's been a yeah. while since I read that. For some reason, I was thinking about that. Is this any, does this remind you of Ryan Brown at all? Uh, maybe a little. Maybe a little. I would say that it's I, uh, um, 
I really, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. It reminds me of a very image work, you know, it like, but, um, it has a super indie feel to it. Yeah. Well, especially when you look at like the, um, what's that character's name? The Martian. I keep Barbalian. Barbalian. I cannot, I cannot remember that name. Uh, Barbalian, like it's when he's in the alien form. Yeah, it screams like like that kind of like uh, indie kind of style. I love the flashback art in here. Yeah, I love it. I love the flashback art and the flashback colors. I do love how it's just tweaked just enough. Yeah, like it's the flashback stuff is just a tinge different at times. I love um, Golden Gale in the flashback. Her lines, the lines right. on her costume, yeah. and everything like that. Um, I really dug. Look, the art, I really like the art. The art is good. Sometimes he's really, really detailed, and then other times he pulls way back and just gives you what you need. And I like that. I like a simplicity in some of the stuff, but I also like some of the panels that are yeah. overly detailed. Yeah, sometimes in the face you'll see a lot of creases and wrinkles, and yeah. other times it's washed out and right. flat, you know? Um, Dave, this book wouldn't be what it is without Dave's, Dave Stewart colors. It just, it just wouldn't. The coloring is, it makes this book... The flashback colors are great. Fantastic. Um, it's different than the rest of it. It feels like Golden, Golden Age, Age comic yeah. books. Those purples, because like he's even using the same inks that they had. Remember, like, right? He does that one time, yeah. like Hulk wore purple pants because right that that's that's the color that would show up the most. Something yeah. like that. And so, I mean, I, he does. Dave Stewart does a really good job of helping transform that art. I mean, you know. Ormson's doing it anyways when he does those flashbacks or those flashback scenes, but man, does Dave Stewart help make this just a, a beautiful looking book, even though it's kind of, it's got this indie ugly to it. What's, if that makes sense. What's Dean Ormston? What else has he done? Do you know? I don't, I don't know what else he's done. Um, because I don't do research for this podcast, uh, Travis, uh, Let's see. Yeah, I, I really like I, I like the lines. I, I like the art. I think it fits the story really well. I was actually trying to picture this done in different styles, uh, and I couldn't really. I like it. This very much the style owns the story. Like it's very tough to be like, ooh, I wonder if um, so and so, you know, uh, uh, did it. It would be dif different, you right? Know? And it it he, seems so. Oh, the story. He did a bunch of stuff you've never heard of before. Like, you never would have read. It's a then, great title for a book, too. A bunch of stuff you never heard of before. And then he did Lucifer. He did a longer... He did a longer section of stuff on Lucifer. Um, on... Uh, Lucifer was... Is I had it, yeah. A Dark Horse. No, it's not Dark Horse. It's... Lucifer? Uh, Vertigo. Vertigo, yeah, yeah. yeah Vertigo. And then he did some Judge Dredd every once in a while. So... Oh, okay. Is he British? Yeah, he's British. So yeah. he did some Judge Dredd in the... It looks like the, the 90s and yeah, yeah. like 2000. Yeah, he did a bunch of uh, stuff at Judge Dread Judge Dread magazine. So he's a, he's a British uh, a British cartoonist. Oh, um, get on you bloke! So I I thought it was a really good fit for the story. It fits well with what they're doing. His flashback stuff was good, and I think like guys like Doc Shaner who do like really good Golden Age art wouldn't have worked for the rest of the book. If that makes sense, making it the I mean the the modern time like right. you know, the current yeah the current stuff wouldn't have felt is different um, had they and you would have been you would have kept waiting for the flashbacks to get that great golden age art 
These are these original covers too that we see in the trade. Yeah, those are the covers those that Lemire awesome. did. The Lemire covers are great because it's awesome. like the he did them like their old golden age books. Yeah, they're great. And they're the, so and good. They're super good. And I, I love, love these as posters. Yeah, and I love the the one with Barbalian and at the bottom it's got like well, there's a story about Madame, you know, Dragonfly. Like it's got her picture in the corner, like when when they would show up in, yeah. in other books and they'd be on the cover, like in little spots. Um, so overall, I really dug the art. I thought it fit really well. Um, he's got he's got a good style that fits with this. I think is there is there a fill in artist in this volume or in volume two? Uh, I didn't see anything okay. that looked. So I think out, I think volume I think volume this. two there might be a fill in artist. Uh, and then I guess what they're doing is they focused in on one oh, character. Oh, wait. No, wait. This issue. This has got to be different. Right? No. Uh, well, there's only one way to tell. Yeah. No, I think it's still him. I just think he drew... Well, maybe. I don't know. What is that issue? It's back more. Is it? Oh, it is. Number. Let's see. Issue five. We're doing some good radio right here, guys. It's a good show. Um, it only says. Yeah, it must be not. It must yeah. be not fill-ins in this one. Yeah. So I think it's. I think it's in volume two. There's a fill-in artist, but I guess like right now, I'm not following it currently. But I guess like uh, Dean needed to take like a break because it's tough to put out comic books every like to draw a comic book every month, and so they're following a different character, and so. Like I think it's the a villain that's in it or a different character that they're following in there who shows up in volume two. Um, so they're going to go back and follow that person. And so it has a different person doing the art on it, oh, which, okay. is, which is kind that's of cool. cool. So like remember like why the last man when yeah. the, they would tell you like a weird side story. And so it would be or be a flashback yeah, and yeah. Be a different artist. Like that's that's the way I think you should do it if you're going to have a different artist on there. Yeah. Wedging, wedging in a side. Right. Always wedging in a side. Why not be Stephen yeah. King? You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? Take your turn and do four chapters on something that has no, that that's just good world building. Yeah, yeah. But just have someone else yeah, do yeah. it. Yeah, like, like this. Uh, uh, preacher to that too. Yeah. Um, so uh, before we uh, wrap things up and give our uh, recommendations – uh, and our oh our favorite panels oh my oh, gosh yeah. it's been so long it's been dude, so long that's the favorite favorite it. panels uh, so I'll let uh, um let, let answer uh, my question okay. I'll look for mine uh so the idea is without spoiling it yeah. you know like what can what is someone who's going to read volume two what like is it more the same uh, does it take are there it, any dramatic turns in it uh, so you see at the end of this one his daughter shows up a uh, black hammer's daughter shows up. And you get a little more backstory about that, but it's still more mystery. It's very much, I mean, there's a little more about the town. You're figuring out that the town's not right. Mm. There's something wrong with the town. Oh, so the the, the characters come more, like, because there's a police chief in this one. There's the waitress right. at the bar. So you get a little more about the town, some stuff that just doesn't fit right. Um, but it does the same sort of thing again for volume two. It follows each character and gives you a little arc with, with each one a little bit to kind of tell you what they're up to, uh, and give you a little more backstory. So he's really filling in all these gaps, one issue at a time, which is a great way to draw out this story. Do you think he had, do you think he has an ending to this or is it just like no, he's exploring these characters? Do you think, he, uh, do you think probably, there's a mystery in there or is he trying to solve it as he goes through it? I don't think it's lost. I think okay, I think I think he has something plotted out. I'd love that. Like I don't think it's lost. You mean like he's no like the TV it's show like lost? The TV show lost. I I think that what he's done is he's he's telling you this story, but he's doing it in this very indie pace, right? right. If you were if this weren't an indie story, it would be like 
they're stuck on this. Like, the Justice League has been transported to some farm. And in four epi- four issues, yeah, 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 in four issues, we'll find out that they're all in a coma somewhere because Brainiac, Mr. Mixaplex. yeah, or like <laughs> Brainiac has you know induced them to sleep or you know or something like that. So, but that but that's also a very this, golden agey thing to do, right? Well, at the end of this one, and we're not spoiling because you guys have read this or listening to the thing, is the daughter makes it to the farm. Black Hammer's right. daughter makes it to the yeah. farm. Does that play a big point uh, part in the uh, new storyline? Um, it, she is a a a portion of what's going on in the new storyline stuff, but because it continues that framework of here's modern, let's flashback and fill in some gaps. Here's modern, let's flashback and fill in some gaps. You get a lot of that. You get everybody's everybody's story gets fleshed out a little more. Cool. How have they been doing since they're there? What are the issues they're dealing with? Stuff like that. Excellent. You did enough stalling. I found my favorite panel. All right. What's your favorite panel? <laughs> my favorite panel is <laughs> the uh, uh, panel, and this must be issue number... I'm going to say four. Four! With Abraham Slam. It's kind of Abraham Slam backstory, where he also gets slammed by Black Hammer. The Black Hammer's like, you too old, Abraham Slam! <laughs> um, and it's the panel with the big octopus that's terrorizing the city, and the octopus is talking, and within the panel, there's a little panel uh, that's set off in different colors, uh, where Abraham Slam is like, stop it right there. Stop <laughs> it right there. And the octopus is like, I am the many-angled one, the dark son of Carcosa. Your ancestors called me Bit Toot Sukum Tit. It's very like Cthulhu, right? But you can call me. And he's lifting up cars. It's got that sweet green and then those that yellow background yeah. on there. Really love that. It, it, that's, a, that's a good one. I do love the flashbook. Uh, and the best part is like, his name is Cthulhu. Like, like, yeah. like, not Cthulhu, but Cthulhu, which is a great name uh, for bad guy. I think my favorite panel is uh, a flashbacky panel. um, Captain Weird? Colonel Weird. Colonel Colonel, Weird. I always want to call him Captain Weird. uh, And he's floating through whatever, and it's a hand, and each finger of the hand is one of the characters. And so you've got like uh golden gale as a care is like in there the thumb is madame dragonfly it's a cool image it's just weird all there's a couple times where you see him floating around in this sort of like between universe stuff and it's very old school kirby comic book so like a silver surfer yeah right now. you know that sort of crazy sort of weird stuff uh, and so I really, I really enjoyed that when I saw that. Weird, that. wild stuff. Weird, wild. It's wild. So, uh, what uh, recommendations? Um, I would say that this is a, this is a. If you're gonna give it to someone, let them know that it's not gonna, it's not gonna resolve itself. Mm-hmm. That this is something that oh, I should pick up and I'm gonna have to read more of it. Mm-hmm. But I do really, I, it's a good. If someone who's like, I don't like superheroes because it's all just a bunch of like. Fighting and smashing and, you know, mm-hmm. it, this is kind of a cool little down on the farm story. Right. But it's still got enough weird to it and enough mystery to it. Um, it keeps you engaged. It keeps you going. So, like I said, I finished it. And as soon as I finished it, I was like, well, I don't know what happens next. And you I, bought the second trade. I ordered like it on that. Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Like, as soon as I finished it. Yeah. Um, and I did. I bought two books. And I did, I did that with both books. I, I finished the volume. And I was like. 
all right, I'm going to just order the next one right now. Um, so, uh, I've got the third one. I think I pre-ordered it so it'll show up for me so I can, I can read that. But I'd recommend it to someone who, who already knows superhero books. So they get the wink and the nod. Mm-hmm. But maybe they just haven't read. Mo- they just haven't been reading anything in a while. Yeah, I'd be hesitant, hesitant to write the uh, recommend this to any kind of new comic book reader. But uh, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of same way with you. People who are buying comics uh, on a monthly basis, whether in trade form, they're you know they're going through a couple of trades a month, uh, or they're buying single issues, and they've a couple of their books they have read have ended, or they're kind of tired of some of the other books. Uh, if they were experienced comic book readers, I would say, you know what, Lemire is great and he started this long what looks like a long project so if you haven't read Lemire and you're looking for something that you can continue to read over the years it looks like the story is going to continue going so I would recommend this for anyone who's looking for a new series to jump onto yeah I think that's key is if you're looking for a new series this is a good place to jump on because I don't think I don't think uh, you you're going to get much just reading a uh, one volume no Uh, you have to be kind of you can test it with one volume, but um, it's 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 a long haul thing. There there's seems to be like an epic story uh, in the making here. Yeah, I'm curious as to see how many volumes he's gonna go because in two volumes, twelve issues of comics. Still don't know that damn farm, man. I, they're still on the farm, which is fun because you know there's the mystery of it, um, and I think this is one I could read month to month. Because it's set up in a way where you focus on a character and right. you get some backstory. Actually, I think I might enjoy this better as single issues once a month. Yeah. I'd like, a I'd like stack book. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Like, I can't read Saga month to month. I just right. couldn't do it. I need to read it like that in a trade. I think I could read this month to month. Nice. I think if I, ca- if I catch up to it, I might, I might switch over month to month. So, Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been Black Hammer. Black Hammer. Um, you can go to find all our episodes on comicexposure.com. They are archived there. Just hit the archive button. You will find them. Or you can scroll down and next the homepage until you find the thing that you are looking for. There are over 100 episodes on there. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you haven't – if you're going through iTunes, uh, you probably only see our last 50 um, go on to the website and see if, if you missed one, uh, one of your favorite books that you've read. If you're in the comics, uh, there's a chances are that we've read something that you really love and we've given our opinion on it. Uh, so go back and listen to those. I like to do that when I go, when I, sometimes if I read a book, like let's say if I read Ready Player One, yeah. uh, that came out years ago. I might go on and search on iTunes like Ready Player One and hear a one-off podcast yeah. where someone does a Ready Player One book review or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So uh, don't hesitate to do that. We 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 name all of our book club episodes after the title of the book, so it makes yeah. it easy, so to, easy find. to search. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Comic Exposure. We're turning the Twitter machine back on. Uh, it was on hiatus, just like the podcast was, but the Twitter machine is back up and running. Did you see that they 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 are cracking down and they've gotten rid of like six percent like of, fake of accounts? Yeah, yeah. And they're doing the same thing on Facebook. You see, I got a message from Facebook that's like. We're cleaning up Facebook. Facebook is for friends, not for fake. And yeah. for something like that. Really? Yeah. And they erase all your posts. They're like, yeah, what happened? You're like, you sound like a robot. Yeah. <laughs> all this thing does is post about pizza. There's, it must be it's a pizza bot. It's a fake account to get people to eat more pizza. <laughs> Dude, pizza bot is a book that you got. You got to write like a mini, like tiny comic <laughs> a called memoir? Pizza Bot. Like, uh, pizza my bot. memoir, Pizza yeah. Bot. Uh, so, so, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. 
we are not sure what the next book is. We're hopefully going to get it, uh, maybe two more out of the way before Travis makes his way back to uh, back to the good old uh, land of Japan. Uh, the land of the rising sun. You were really like GAP. Like I knew you were looking for like a, U, a good old USA. Yeah, kind of. It didn't work. Though. It was tough. The yeah. good old back to the rising sun. Yes, back to the land of the rising sun. Uh, so so pay attention. Uh, we'll tell you kind of what books we're gonna do. I don't know that we're gonna have a. We might have. My wife said she wants to be on the podcast. My again, wife. So. Mm, my wife. Do we still do that? Is mm-hmm. that still something people do. do? Okay. All right. Yeah, baby. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they do. Shagadelic. <laughs> uh, so thank you for tuning in, guys. Have a fantastic week. Until we hear you again, maybe two weeks. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We'll see you next trade.